Welcome to the School of ICT Conversation Bites podcast. I'm Tessa, here to bring you bite-sized personal stories, latest research and career advice from the talented people in our Griffith University School of ICT community. In this episode, our conversation is with Dr. Z Howe about the long-standing history of logic and reasoning. My name is Z. It's actually pronounced something else in Chinese. It's pronounced something like Hojo. So I've got a homepage that actually says it's usually pronounced in this way. And I actually found, um, I think, um, it's probably some North European name that sounds like it, but it's way too hard for people. So, you know, people just come Z and that's okay. So I came to Griffith in um, 2017. And before that, I was doing a postdoc in Singapore and at the Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. Part of the reason why I came to Griffith was um, at the time I was just trying to get a job in Australia. I did my master's and PhD in Australia, Canberra at the ANU. I went to Singapore for two years, and but I always, you know, wanted to come back to Australia at some stage. So it was uh, just part of job hunting. And then there was an opportunity from Professor Jinsung if you know him so, I, don't think so, so. I think um, in 2017 he was the um, director of the IIIS okay the, you know Institute of uh, Intelligent and Integrated and Intelligent System and he wanted to find somebody to do a project and I was introduced to him and did some interview eventually got the job so basically he brought me here yeah so I was very grateful for that and that's actually very similar to my other, you know, my previous um, jobs. Yeah. So I think I, I haven't done much job hunting in my whole career. I probably only did twice. Yeah. And the first time I was about to graduate my PhD and I was looking for jobs, you know, in industry in at uni. And before I could find one, my then PhD advisor moved to Singapore and he said, I need somebody in Singapore. Can you come to yeah. Singapore? I was like, yeah, sure. So I got an offer there and went there. And then, you know, I was looking for jobs in Australia. It wasn't easy, especially because mm. I was in I was in Singapore and mm. lots of the job applications don't take people from overseas. Yeah. Um, but universities are kind of different because when university hires, they, they don't care where you are. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's different than trying to get a job in a company. Yeah. And then I was working, uh, my boss at NTU in Singapore did his PhD under Professor Jinson Dunn. So he ah. introduced me to he, to Professor Jinson and said, uh, look, I've, I've got a guy and, um, you know, you should hire him. Yeah. So you know, that's usually the way I, I got jobs. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, making use of that professional network. Yeah, that's awesome. So oh. what do you do now? Yes, now I do, well, I do teaching. Mm-hmm. So when I teach, I teach things in um, AI and cybersecurity. I also do research. Yep. So my my research background is, so, you know, it's actually in logic and formal methods. But these days I'm also looking at, you know, applying these things in different domains. So cybersecurity blockchain and AI being the, you know, ones that I'm most interested in at the moment. Yeah. And I'm working with some other colleagues at Griffith, Professor Muthu and Ernest Fu, 
Uh, yeah, so they, they just both, you know, promoted two professors. So yeah. congratulations. Yes, good for um, them. So yeah, I work with them a lot. Uh, co-support some students with them, work on some projects, blockchain, uh, computer networks, cybersecurity, and also, well, they don't do AI that much, but, you know, these days, lots of things would use AI to some extent. So mm. obviously, um, yeah, found some applications, logic in all of those things. Yeah, that's awesome. So could you tell us a bit more about logic? What What is that in this context? Okay, so logic, guess, um, it's it's about formal reasoning. Mm-hmm. And it dates back, you know, thousands of years ago, you know, you know Greek oh, okay. um, philosophers, Aristotle, you know, those people started to do reasoning. Yeah. Back then, they didn't have any... Um, formal system like we have today so they you know back then people would do logical reasoning um, using what we call natural languages so mm. spoken languages and then at one stage mathematicians thought that we want to make it a bit more precise okay want to make it a bit formal so there was a guy called Leibniz okay um, and if you do um, um, differentiation Calculus, you probably know his name. Was in the same era as uh, Newton. Okay. And they, right. they don't really like each yeah, other. Yeah, I recognize that name, but yeah, not in the maths world. So. Maths, but they don't yeah. really like each other. So apparently, there are some arguments between the two. Oh, okay. Like, in the rumors that Newton at one point hired somebody to threaten Leibniz. Oh, <laughs> so, oh goodness. You know, bad, you know, <laughs> drama in the happen. math world. Lots of drama between the two. But yeah, this guy, Leibniz proposed something called um, symbolic, well, it's rather an idea mm. of symbolic reasoning. So his idea is instead of you know, talking about things and reasoning about things in our you know, natural language, in English and whatever, maybe we can do it in symbols. Okay. okay so we, and once everything's reduced to symbols, so basically abstract everything, reduce them into, into symbols. And then it's basically just mathematics. Mm. So try to use math to do logical reasoning and try to establish some sort of system that can do it. And then that's how, I guess, this branch of um, science developed. So now we have, you know, mathematical systems that can describe logic, that can do the reasoning and do it systematically. Mm. Right? So that's, that's, um, that's the beauty of, um, you know, doing it in mathematics. So we want to do things systematically. And these days, now that we have computers, so computers are good at, I guess, two things. Yeah. Yeah. One is to do things fast. Yeah. Right. And one is to do things that that can be made into algorithms. Right. So to so do do things systematically, yeah. Do things fast. Right. right. So those are the strength of computers. And symbolic reasoning, symbolic logic happens to have these kind of properties that help us to be able to apply all that on computers. Mm. And now that branch is called automatic reasoning because we can automate this process on computers. Okay, cool. That I never would have thought that something that is, by sounds of things, quite core to computing today, like algorithms you hear about and see everywhere and you know, the logic behind and everything. Never would have thought it'd be thousands of years old. That's that's incredible. 
remember there was a quote from Einstein, and he said there were two, you know, major developments in human being science back in the history that、mm. contributed a lot in today's science. One is the branch of formal reasoning. And the other one is about the empirical study and experiment and trying to observe results and validate our results from it.、Right. I think the, these two, you know, the foundations of、um, you know most of today's research. Yeah, sounds like you get to use a lot of both in your work as well. Yeah, yeah. Mostly, yeah. So you mentioned a bit of blockchain and、um, that sort of thing just before. How how do you apply this kind of Research and learning in that domain. Right. So, automated reasoning and logic has some、um, has a major application in formal. It's called formal verification. Right. So, formal verification is all about describing a system, a soft software, or hardware to describe them in formal mathematics.、Mm-hmm. So it, the other word for that is actually called modeling. Right, so you model something. Right. Okay. So when you model something, you describe it in mathematics, right? And once you describe it in mathematics, we can use the logical system, the automatic reasoning system, to reason about it and check if there's problems.、Mm. Right. So this is called formal verification, and that's found applications in a lot of other domains. So、um, with blockchain. You know, we try to establish new protocols, especially、mm-hmm. um, it's called、um, cross-blockchain protocols. So it's a very hot keyword right now. It's called interoperability. Okay. It's all about you know when you have different blockchains,、um, how do you you know allow them to communicate with each other? Because、mm. in a sense,、um, when the blockchain, the concept blockchain was、um, first developed, it was developed in a way that One blockchain system is supposed to work on its own,、mm. right? So allowing interoperability clearly it just you know opens up a whole lot more opportunities. But that 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 requires some protocols, requires some mechanisms to make sure things work well, and all those protocols and mechanisms that、um, allow for interoperability needs to be checked, right? Right, so we want to make sure they do things as um as intended. Want to make sure they are correct.、Mm-hmm. And that's one you know typical thing you want to do with formal verification. Yeah, right. So that's um yeah some work I did with uh Professor Muthu and his uh previous PhD student Babu recently graduated to look at those protocols and model them, uh reason about them, make sure they work correctly.、Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. What would you say is the biggest misconception that people have about this space? <laughs> I guess when I start talking about logic in the course, immediately some students would think about you know think of、um, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Detective novels. <laughs> I see that. And I actually don't see a lot of logical reasoning. In Sherlock Holmes, I I did read all all the novels. I think they're great、yeah. novels. You know, I I like them a lot. There's there's not much, you know, logical reasoning in it. <laughs> if you think about them, I'd、yeah. say, you know, ninety percent of the skill set of Sherlock Holmes is about the knowledge of his surroundings. Right. right? So he looks at somebody has some you know, 
know, dark brown dirt on the shoes. He knows where he's been to in London. Yeah. Right. So that's a lot of knowledge. That's a lot of knowledge about yeah. his, you know, his city, and he can put things together, and he can make very good educated guesses. So in a sense, um, I think it's more. It's probably more probabilistic. Right. Than you know the usual classical logic. Okay. So and that reminds me, you know, a lot about you know. So recently, this the Chat GPT. Yeah. I think that's that. That's a little bit like what Chat GPT does. So okay. it has a huge database of knowledge. Yeah. Right? And it tries to connect things um, using some statistical or stochastic system. And then it gives you, you know, it, it can do some reasoning. We actually tested something like that today. It was very interesting. Oh, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I got a screenshot and somebody asked um, ChatGPT a formal logic problem. It's, it's actually not that hard. Okay. And ChatGPT didn't give the right answer. Oh, okay. So we actually look, looked at the example and we tried to see you know, what the real problem is. And it looks like ChatGPT is, it can do reasoning in English at, yeah. at a certain level, but it can't do reasoning in formal logic. It's interesting to see that for how powerful it is, there's still some limitations on yeah, I've seen, what it can do. I've seen YouTube um, videos about it. So somebody said, um, somebody asked ChatGPT about a question about um, I, iPhone 13. Yeah. Right? And ChatGPT gave whole paragraph of answers with some numbers, specs of the phone, except it's giving the specs of iPhone 12 instead of 13. Oh, okay. Right, it's, that's very interesting too. So, yeah. And, and, and what's, what's impressive is actually it's giving, you know, paragraphs of text that looks, re it reads really convincing, mm. right? But it may have some false statements in there mm. somewhere and it's it's actually really difficult to spot them yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to a day you know when auto, the formal logical reasoning can be integrated into these kind of systems yeah i think that will make it a lot more powerful okay what kind of opportunities do you think that would open up in the future i think that will make you know the current Formal verification engines a lot more powerful. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, combining today's automatic reasoning algorithms with some of the AI and machine learning algorithms, mm. and I think this is a it's an area that some people have explored a little bit, but I think it still has a long way to go. How to combine these different type of I guess some some people say automatic reasoning is also AI, and machine learning is also AI. How can they combine, be combined to form a more, more powerful system? Yeah. Either a, you know, a smarter machine learning algorithm or a more powerful automatic reasoning engine. Mm. Either way would be very interesting, I think. Yeah, right. Get a bit of best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So also a little bit of an idea of what might be happening in future and by sounds of things that would have implications on you know, things like the blockchain but also cyber security and, and all of those things. A lot of those things. Yeah. So, you know, one of the recent topics I'm looking at is quantum computing. Right. So um, 
the, the informal verification traditionally, you know, we would look at the you know, classical, what we call today classical programs, right? So classical programs means, uh, you know, C++, mm. Java, you know, maybe Python, yeah. right? that sort of um, programming languages. But currently, you know, quantum computing is on the horizon. I think IBM, Google, Microsoft are all, you know, working on quantum computers. And they are now, you know, quantum programming languages. Oh, so, okay. You know, yeah. Microsoft has Q Yeah. And you know, there, are, there are a few options there. Mm. And the same question is, how do you make sure your quantum program is correct? Yeah. Right? So previously, you know, questions, how do you make sure your classical program is correct? And that's a really, really difficult question. Yeah. Right? So actually, if you look at probably 90, 90% over 90% of today's software industry, mm-hmm. they, they, don't, they don't care if the, soft, the, if the software they make is 100% correct. Like they, okay. they, they cannot. Right. right? So the, the method they do is called testing. It's called software testing. That's, yeah, a, okay. that's the major thing in software engineering. Yeah. Right? It's called software testing. But if you think about what software testing does, uh, it works test cases, mm-hmm. and you check if, um, you know, your software passes test, test cases. Yeah. And, and there's um, pretty famous computer scientist called Dijkstra. So if you learn algorithms, you would know shortest path. So Dijkstra's um, shortest path algorithm mm-hmm. is one of the most fundamental ones. So Dijkstra used to say software testing can only tell you that there are bugs. Yeah. They cannot tell you that there's no bug. Right? Oh, okay. So I, I think see. These original words are. It can only tell you the presence of bugs, but not the absence. Yeah. So you can, you know, even if you know your your software passes hundred percent of your testing cases, doesn't mean there's no issue. It's just you haven't found them yet. Yeah. Right, so that's the thing, and basically that's where you know if you want to, you know, dig deeper in the rabbit hole. So formal verification is where you get. Right. So formal verification is about modeling your software. In the mathematical language, mm-hmm. and prove that it satisfies some you know, certain properties. It can right. be correctness, it can be um, safety. In cybersecurity, we have a lot of properties about cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And once you prove it, you know that at least at the level of abstraction of your model, it's it's guaranteed correct. Yeah. Okay. So adds like another layer. Assuredness that it's correct. Yeah, but but again, this is really, this is a very um, you know, labor-consuming and time-consuming job. Yeah. So I'll give you one example, right? So I think today it's called Data Sixty One. Yeah. Um, few year, few years back it was called Nikta, and they had a project quite famous actually. You know, it's um, it's a world-leading project back then. It's called Cell Four. Okay. And that project is about formally proving the correctness of um, uh, a microkernel. So microkernel is um, it's like the, the core part of, uh, of an operating system. Well, mm-hmm. It's not operating system, it's rather um, a system that runs on hypervisors. So hypervisors are um, things you use in virtualization in virtual machines, right? Okay. So you can think of it as um, you know, the, the most important bit of an operating system. Yeah. And I think it, so the microkernel they were looking at consists of 1,000 lines of C code. Yeah. 
right? That's a few, yep. <laughs> and it took them about five years with a group of people to prove that the whole thing is correct. Right? Oh. Just 1,000 lines of code. It's, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. Goodness, yeah. So that would be a lot of work. So imagine that, you know, some bigger programs would be thousands upon thousands of lines of code. So, so that's, that's why, you know, commercial companies don't do formal verification on their systems because some mm. um, current things is probably not critical to them. I mm. mean, there can be bugs and yeah. they're, they're okay with it. Yeah. Right? So the time and money spent on this is not worth it yeah. for them, but it is worth it for some industries. So typically, so you see this kind of job is called, um, it's called formal engineers, okay. formal methods engineers, right? And usually companies that, that, that hire these kind of um, jobs are things like defense, mm-hmm. aerospace, mm-hmm. and also commercial space, um, let's say, I know Airbus mm-hmm. hires a lot of formal engineers right. who want to make sure that you know, their plane don't crash, right? That's, yes, that's important. very important. <laughs> it's very important. And yeah. space companies do it. They want to make sure their rocket launches, you know, successfully. Mm. It was, there was actually a kind of example many years back. There was a rocket called Ariane 5. Okay. It was launched by the um, European Space Agency, ESA. Mm-hmm. And that rocket self-destructed about 20 seconds. Oh, goodness. After the launch. Yeah, that's not good. It's not good, right? And then um, the engineers looked at the crash issue report and everything. They were trying to figure out why the rocket had, had this problem. Mm. And um, they found that there was a software bug that eventually led to the problem. Oh, no. And the software bug was from um, a floating point conversion to an integer that caused an overflow <laughs> oh no oh my goodness this is, this is you know yeah. the sort of thing that you you actually definitely want to make sure there's no bug yeah and that's what a formal engineer would do is to check that yeah. right so if someone wanted to go into that formal engineering space what kind of degrees would they do what education and i think usually undergraduate is sufficient as long as you you know take the relevant courses. Mm. Unfortunately, I don't think Griffith offer the relevant course right now. Oh. This quick structure, it's a foundation. Yeah. Right? But at the moment there's nothing on top of that. Yeah. Which is why I'm um, planning to, you know, talk with Geraldine yeah. and get a new course on logic and computations. So yeah, that you cool. know we can have some of those skill sets yeah, right. taught in our courses. That'd be good. And you're also starting a reading group this year as well, aren't you? Yes. So that reading group, yeah, it's about logic and computation. Yeah. And it's completely informal. Yeah. So we don't want to give anybody any burden. So, you know, no assessments, no nothing. And it would be run, it would be run like um, those workshops. Yeah. It may, so basically, I guess I'll I'll run it in the format of um, introducing some ideas and then doing some exercises yeah. and also combine that with doing some practical exercises on computers because you know, this is what we do as computer scientists right? yeah. otherwise we're mathematicians yeah right? that makes so, sense yep so we want to you know also make interested students aware of um, the tools that we have today in automatic reasoning and formal verification yeah because it gives them at least um, you know 
some entry-level knowledge. Yeah, and if cool. they want to explore further, you know, there should be other venues. Yeah, cool. Is there any prior knowledge anyone needs to be able to join that? For the reading group, because it's not a course. Yeah. I, I, I want to make it, you know, casual. Yeah. I want to make it with a low, you know, entrance requirement. So basically not. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start with, you know, the logic from thousands of years back. So anybody should be able to come in and, you know, take something, take something home. Yeah, cool. Well, that'd be really great. I look forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I get along to it as well and see if I can learn <laughs> some of this logic stuff. <laughs> oh, that'd be really good. What would you say is the number one takeaway for our listeners today? Logic and math is usually considered a fundamental to a lot of other things in computer science. It often gets overlooked. Yeah. And I guess the same thing happens in a lot of, um, you know, different stories and different research areas so especially you know these days when machine learning is very you know widely used mm. data scientists are everywhere actually a lot of them apply machine learning without understanding the you know the foundation the theories behind it mm. and that can have a lot of problems i mean we've got we've got students here at Griffith who are you know applying machine learning on a lot, a lot of things right and some sometimes i see um see them using this uh, you know, really complex learning algorithm on this very tiny data set. And you know that it's not going to generalize well, uh, right. but they, they use neural networks anyway, when, you know, probably a, a linear regression model works better. Yeah, okay. Right. Bit of overkill. <laughs> happens a lot. And it also happens a lot, you know, there was this time uh, I heard one of the students said um oh i've got this problem i'm trying to um i'm trying to describe the patterns and i can see that the pattern is roughly this mm. and then and i'm planning to use this machine learning to learn the pattern and <laughs> you know if if you learn it's a very famous um uh, online course about machine learning by you know cortex and literally machine learning 101 says there are two you know there are two conditions under which you it, it, it is um, it is good to apply machine learning right, the first one is there is a pattern but you don't know how to describe it yeah. if, you, if, you, if your pattern can be described by some function you don't do machine learning right? why would yeah. you even use machine that learning makes sense. Yeah. so that's yeah. literally you know, one of the very first things that are taught in those fundamental courses yeah. and I think a lot of these days you know, engineers and data analysts forget the most fundamental thing and they look at the problem and immediately they think, oh, we're going to apply this um, advanced algorithm or technique when yeah. it's probably not the best choice. Yeah, so we need some more formal engineers. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today, Xi. It was really great to talk to you and hear a bit more about a different world of, of math and, and reasoning that we probably don't really get to see a lot of. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the School of ICT Conversation Bites podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it around and we would love to hear your feedback. Do you have any burning questions? Who should we interview next? Let us know through the link in the description.